0: Rabbi Kevin is out of town this week, but we are thrilled to have one of our own speak this Shabbat. Ravi Goldberg is a second-generation Messianic Jew. The son of a Messianic rabbi, Ravi is the current president of the Young Messianic Jewish Alliance, which is the largest youth and young adult organization in the movement. In addition to his full-time job, he is also currently pursuing his MBA at Georgia Tech. Let's welcome Ravi Goldberg. Thank you so much, Michael. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's great to be with you on this Shabbat. And uh, like Michael uh, gave the blessing, we're counting the Omer this week. And, uh, And as we're doing that, the passage on my heart comes from a time when the people in the story were counting the Omer. And so if you want to turn with me over to John chapter 21, that's the passage that's been on my heart this past week. John chapter 21, it's a, it's between Passover and Shavuot, between Yeshua's resurrection and when the Spirit is poured out in Jerusalem on Shavuot. And so the disciples and Yeshua are definitely counting the Omer during this time, but they're not just counting the Omer for Yeshua. It's also his countdown until he's going to ascend to heaven and go back to the Father. It's his countdown of these final 40 days to be with, invest in, and pour into the disciples that he is entrusting to lead his people. It's these these people that he's entrusting to lead his community and to share the good news that he is the Messiah with the Jewish people in the world. And he has this countdown of 40 days for the last reminders he wants to give them and his last commission to them. And he does this in John chapter 21. But as I look at John chapter one, part of this in that what he does with his disciples in this final time period is this recommissioning because when Yeshua was taken to be, to be killed, his disciples fled. They had pledged their lives to him, that he was the Messiah. They were going to follow him. And then in this intense moment, They run away. And in this intense moment, I think Yeshua rose from the dead. I think there's this excitement, there's this joy, but there's also probably in their lives this sense of failure. They make all of these promises to Yeshua, especially Peter, that they were never going to leave him, that they'd be with him till death. And then when he needed them most, in his most intense moments, they left. But in this passage where Yeshua is spending time with his disciples and giving them these final words, he also recommissions them that their lives are not defined by their mistakes and their failures. And that just as he rose from the dead and the grave could not contain him, he is calling his disciples to be fully alive and to be free from the guilt shame and fear that can hold them back from God's calling on their lives. And in this passage that he recommissions his disciples, he is calling them to be fully alive and to be fully into the calling that he has for them. And as we look at this passage that that happened around this time of year in the season between Passover and Shavuot during the counting of the Omer, It's my prayer that in our lives, we would be free from whatever guilt, shame, and fear holds us back, and that we would be liberated to be fully alive and to walk in the unique calling that God has for each of us. And I think there are so many lessons and words for us as we do that in this chapter. And so I want to go through it with you tonight. And So if you want to turn with me to John chapter 21, we're going to look at the entire chapter but we're going to start with the first part of this story in verses 1 to 14. And I'll read it if you want to join and read with me. It's in page, I think, 1034 of the, uh, of the Tree of Life Bibles uh, with you, page 1034. Uh, After these things, Yeshua revealed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee. Now here is how he appeared. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two of the other disciples were all together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. We're coming with you, they said. And they went out and got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. At dawn, Yeshua appeared on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Yeshua. So Yeshua said to them, Boys, you don't happen to have any fish, do you? No, they answered him. He said to them, throw the net off to the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they threw the net and they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Yeshua loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he tied his outer garment around him, for he was stripped down for work and threw himself into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat from about 200 cubits offshore, about 300 feet, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out to the land, they saw a charcoal fire with fish placed on it with some bread. And Yeshua said to them, bring some of the fish you just caught. Simon Peter went aboard and he hauled the net to the shore. There were 153 fish, many of them big. But the net was not broken. Yeshua said to them, come, let's have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Knowing it was the Lord. Yeshua comes and he takes the bread and he gives it to them. And likewise, the fish. Now, this was the third time that Yeshua revealed to the disciples. This was the third time Yeshua was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And I'll just pray before we dig in. Father, as we open up your word tonight, would you open our eyes to see what you want us to see? And we invite you to give life to us today through your word. In Yeshua's name. Amen. In the passage, one of the things that stick out to me is that it says there were 153 fish. Super specific But then in the beginning of the passage, when it names the disciples, it says there was Peter, there was Thomas, there was Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee, and then two other disciples. I'd hate to be one of those two disciples, right? You don't get named. It it names the number of fish, doesn't even put their names in the text. It's funny to me what details are included. The number of fish, not the names. And uh, as I thought about that, I was just thinking about the significance of that. And these disciples gathered together, and I'm thinking they they've come to this place because when Yeshua rose from the dead and he appeared to them the first time, he told them, "Go to Galilee to this specific mountain, and I'm going to meet you there." And so these disciples are gathered there, waiting for Yeshua, for him to suddenly appear again. And these disciples that are gathered, whether they're the ones that are named, whether they're the ones that are unnamed. All of them are there because they've been called by Yeshua, because he chose them personally, because he had a calling for them personally. And whether they were recognized in this text by name or not recognized by name, they were personally called and chosen. And I just fence that one of the things God has for us is as we follow him, as we serve him, we're not always recognized. And there are some people, people in this congregation who probably serve so much and probably have not been recognized and noticed in different ways, in different lives. At work, you can serve and not be noticed. But I love that what Yeshua says is regardless of whether people notice, I have personally chosen you. I have personally called you. I've called you by name and I have a calling for you. And one of the things I love is even though they're not named in this portion in John chapter 21, if we look to the last book that John wrote in Revelation 21, when he describes the city, the new Jerusalem, he says that on this city, it's built on foundations and on these foundations are the 12 names of the 12 emissaries of the lamb. Right now, during their lives, they may not be recognized, but there is a day coming when all of them are going to have their names inscribed and right next to Peter's name is going to be one of these names of these disciples who weren't named here. And I just want to encourage you for all of you who are serving and working and doing such amazing things that even if while right now or in this life, you aren't received the recognition and you don't see the fruit of all of your hard work. If Yeshua has called you and if you're serving him, it's coming and for these disciples whether they're named or unnamed yeshua has personally chosen them and called them and called them to come here to this place in Galilee for him to meet with them to give him to give them some of his final instructions and words during this countdown and they're there and they're waiting for him and it's probably evening one night and they're getting hungry and Peter's you know he's a fisherman so he's like why don't we just go back and catch some fish and we'll have some food for tomorrow and so they go fishing and out of this group of disciples three of them are professional fishermen like this is what they've done this is what they've been trained to do this is what their dads did this is what they were trained to do from their kids and they fish all night hours and hours and they catch nothing and it's probably of a frustrating night. And as the dawn comes up in the morning, it's probably a frustrating morning. And then they hear this voice shouting out to them, hey, if you guys don't have any fish, why don't you fish on the other side of the boat? As if suddenly it was going to be super different. And uh, as I think about it, it's kind of... Like, makes me think, okay, if I'm going into work one morning, and I see, like, one of the IT guys at work, and he's been there all night working on, like, a computer problem that he's not been able to solve, and I'm just like, well, have you restarted the computer? And he's like, it's not that kind of problem. Like, (laughs) that would have done it, I would have done it already, right? It's this annoying, stupid question, uh, but they do it. And they discover that it's Yeshua because what happens is a miracle. They go from like hours and hours of catching nothing to within minutes getting a full uh, a full net of fish that it they could almost break. And in this moment, one of the things uh, that hits me is 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 they have all these things. It's this miracle, and then Yeshua not only provides all these these fish for them. And it just hits me, it reminds me of something that Yeshua says earlier in the book of John, where he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. They've been fishing all night by themselves, and they have nothing. And then with the minutes of Yeshua showing up, they have more than they can handle. And the fact that the net doesn't break is another miracle on top of the fish. There is just so much. And as I reflect on it, you know, one of my first thoughts was, okay, you know, there's all of this goodness that God brings— Um, and what hits me is that one of the things is when Yeshua shows up, it changes everything that when you follow Yeshua, it's not confining, but it opens up all these possibilities that Yeshua's presence and following Yeshua does not mean a life of futility and being confined and forced. But Yeshua is called by doing this, Yeshua is calling them to say, when Yeshua shows up, everything changes And that I just sense for us as we follow Yeshua, Yeshua wants us to open our eyes to just possibilities. That because Yeshua has risen from the dead, there is nothing impossible for God. And that even when we've worked hard and we've seen nothing or in every case in life, to remind ourselves that God can do anything. And to know that when Yeshua is in the picture, there are so many possibilities of what he can do. And yet the fish don't come until they hear his voice and they recognize him. And I just feel like it's this invitation to us that in every circumstance of life, that Yeshua is at the edge. And if we listen to his voice, he has so many new possibilities, so many more things that he's inviting us to go from a place of a scarcity mindset to a place of an abundance mindset that says, if Yeshua is Lord, that if he's risen from the dead, God, would you open my mind to all the possibilities of what you can do, even in frustrating situations. And that Yeshua can open the door to amazing possibilities, just like he does for these disciples. After hours of frustration within Yeshua showing up, it changes in minutes. And what I love about this is when they've not only caught the fish, they come to the shore. It looks like Yeshua has already caught some fish because he's already cooking them breakfast. I love this. The the master of the universe, he also acts like a butler. And it, it reminds me of, you know, at the last Seder that they had, Yeshua took off his outer garment, he took off his jacket and he serves them. He washes their feet. And then days later from Passover, now during the counting of the Omer, he serves, he cooks them breakfast and he serves them breakfast. And I just love this picture that we have of who Yeshua is, that he's the master of the universe, holds all power, came back from the dead and he's cooking breakfast and serving breakfast to his boys. And um, and 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 it's this picture of who Yeshua is, uh, all powerful, and yet serves us. And when He's with us, that changes everything. And I he, and apart from Him, we can do nothing. But with Him, there are endless opportunities. And what's interesting about this miracle is this isn't the first time this kind of thing has happened to them. That they're fishy, they catch nothing, and then they just get this massive catch. It actually happened at the beginning of their time with Yeshua too. In Luke chapter 5, Yeshua is teaching. He teaches by the Sea of Galilee. And afterwards, he's talking to Peter and he's talking to them. And he finds out they've fished on light and caught nothing. He calls them to go out and net, And that's when they get this huge catch of fish so big that their boats almost sink. Yeshua repeats the same miracle. He recreates the same miracle from when he called them. He recreates that same miracle now, and just like he recreates the same miracle. I get this sense that he's also right. Recommissioning them that their failures of, and of the past of abandoning Yeshua in the past. Don't define them. But just like he had called them those years ago, he is recommissioning them now. And so he recreates this miracle, but then he goes deeper. Of all the disciples that fled from Yeshua, probably the one that sticks out the most is probably when Peter does, because when Peter leaves, he doesn't just flee, but he renounces Yeshua and he renounces him three times. And it says in this passion that is in this portion as Yeshua is talking to Peter, that when he calls him and asks him if he loves him, Peter is grieved when Yeshua asks if he loves him. And one of the interesting things in this moment where Yeshua talks to Peter, there's a few interesting details. And so I'd like to read the next portion of this with you in John chapter one before we dig in. And so beginning in verse fifteen. Verse down to verse 19, it says, But after they had finished breakfast, after Yeshua had served them breakfast, Yeshua said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to them, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. He said to him, take care of my sheep. Yeshua said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because Yeshua said to him for a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Yeshua said to him, feed my sheep. Amen, amen. I tell you, when you were younger, you used to dress yourself. And walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and carry you to where you do not want to go. Now, he said this to indicate what kind of death Peter was going to have to glorify God. And after this, Yeshua said to Peter, Follow me. So much to unpack in this portion, but one of the interesting things is he says this to Peter right after breakfast. And I think one of the funny things is so often God waits till people finish eating till after they've got some food in their stomach before they have a tough conversation. Before he goes into this real emotional thing, he wants to make sure Peter's had some protein. And uh, it takes me back uh, within the Tanakh, Elijah, he's going through one of the most intense moments of his life. And what God says to him is, eat a sandwich and take a nap. And uh, I heard that from Rabbi Mark Greenberg. Uh, that's what he has Elijah do at the greatest moment of struggle in his life. They have to unpack a lot of things, but he says, first, eat a meal and take a nap. And so he starts off with, after they finish breakfast, he then has this tough conversation with Peter. But one of the interesting things is it just said that they've had this breakfast over a charcoal fire. And fire's mentioned a lot of times in scripture, but a charcoal fire is only mentioned twice in the scriptures. Those Greek words are only mentioned twice. And the last time Peter was around a charcoal fire, it was the night he betrayed Yeshua. He was sitting at a charcoal fire and someone asked him, wait, aren't you from Galilee? Aren't you with Yeshua? And that's when he betrays Yeshua. Before this tough conversation with Yeshua, where he asked him three times, do you love me? The last time Peter had the sight of a charcoal fire and smelled a charcoal fire was when he would deny Yeshua three times. And so Yeshua takes Peter back to this moment of betrayal, back to the moment a failure, back to the moment where Peter ran away after making all of these huge promises, all this hype about how he was going to stick close to Yeshua and never abandon him, and he takes him to the moment of betrayal, the probably the most painful moment in Peter's life, and he recreates it. And so Peter is smelling the the smoke of the charcoal fire, and he has Yeshua ask him these questions. Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he drives it home. He says his full name. He is bringing it back to, jo- to Simon, to Simon Peter. He is bringing the pain of it back. And it says that Peter is grieved. And he has these thoughts, right? Probably, right, he ran to Yeshua just a few moments ago before breakfast, right? He's got this joy about Yeshua but probably in the back of his mind is his failure. In the back of his mind, when he is with Yeshua, when he's trying to have intimacy with Yeshua, when he's trying to follow Yeshua and serve Yeshua, in the back of his mind is this reminder of his failure. And it's just the undercurrent. And Peter wasn't the only one who would ran away from Yeshua. All the disciples did. It's probably in the back of all of their minds too, as this is happening that Yeshua is asking if they loved him, but in his hardest moment, they fled. And in this moment where Peter is wrestling with the weight of his failure and Yeshua brings the weight of his failure to the forefront, Yeshua's response to him when he says, Yeshua, you know, I love you. And he's questioning how Yeshua feels about him. Yeshua's response is to entrust him with the most precious and important thing in his life. He recreates the moment of pain so that all of the feelings of failure can come to the surface of disappointing Yeshua. And by entrusting to him what's most important, Yeshua frees him from the guilt and the shame and the fear. That has been this undercurrent. And I, I love how Yeshua does that. That Yeshua doesn't just call your Peter to serve him. But he wants to first liberate him and free him from all of the guilt, shame, and fear that have held him back. And I love that Yeshua has that same call for us, that as we follow him, he doesn't want us to serve him, to try to have intimacy with him and to spend time with him with this undercurrent of guilt about what we've done wrong in this past, with an undercurrent of shame about the mistakes that we've made and the worst that we've done, about fear of, okay, well, I've done that before. I'm afraid I'm going to make the same mistakes in the future. Yeshua didn't want that hanging over Peter, and he doesn't want that hanging over us. And in this moment, as Peter smells the fire, Yeshua frees him of those things. And Yeshua recommissions him. But this commission and this affirmation of Yeshua's love for him also comes with these commands right? You, you think, okay, you've had this really special moment, and then Yeshua brings up Peter's death. Like, real mood killer, real change. But I think there's a few interesting things about that, right? Just like as he's asking Peter if he loves him, there's this pain, but there's this healing. I think just as Yeshua brings up Peter's death, there's this uh, that's hard, but on the other hand, there's this comfort to it, right? Because he tells Peter, at the end, end of your life, you're going to die for me. That at the end of your life, you're going to be faithful, right? In the past, Peter's fears outweighed his love for Yeshua and his courage, but Yeshua is telling him, it's painful to hear about the future that he's going to die, but it's also this, in the end, your courage will overcome your fears. In the end, your love for me will be stronger than your fears. And it hits me, right. Like, like John writes later on, perfect love casts out all fear. And one of the other interesting things about this is Yeshua says to him, when you're old, you're going to go where you do not go, and you're going to die for me. He says, when you're old. One of the interesting things about that is it lets him know that he's not going to die soon. And I think those promise in this words from Yeshua, it's a command to live faithful to the end, but it's also this encouragement that his courage will conquer his fears, but also he's not going to die soon. And I think that gives him this confidence because as we look at Acts, he has this confidence to be bold in the face of beatings and threats because he knows he's not going to die now. That's coming years in the future. There's this moment in Acts 12 where Peter is on death row, chained between two guards ready to be killed, and yet he peacefully sleeps through the night until God rescues him. I think knowing that his death was going to be far in the future gave Peter this confidence to be bold now and this peace to rest when he needed to sleep. And I love that when Yeshua speaks, his words can be hard. But there's also this comfort and healing and courage that his words can give us. As he gives Peter this message and he calls him to follow him. And when he calls him to follow him, it's interesting. There's three parts of following him. There is, he calls him he's to love Yeshua, to serve others and to die to himself. He says, do you love me? The first part about Yeshua, following Yeshua is loving him. And he says, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. You'll serve others. You'll care for others. And then the last part of right, this call to follow him is to be prepared to die. And you're only prepared to die for Yeshua when you've given your life to Yeshua. When, you, when you've come to die to yourself, that's the only time when you can be ready to give your life. And so he comes to Peter with this command to follow him. And it's a hard word. It's a word that includes serving others when others are difficult, right? Sheep can be difficult. People can be difficult. It's this hard word to serve others and to die to himself. But there's this also this encouragement, this love, and this call that can give him courage and peace as well. Yeshua's words bring healing and they give him courage. And so he can follow Yeshua during these During this time of this last 40 days during the counting of the Omer, during this countdown, Yeshua is also able to recommission Peter to reaffirm his love and forgiveness for Peter, to give him this command to serve his his people and to die to himself. He gives him this command and it also brings healing and brings courage. And I love that about Yeshua, that Yeshua's words are both hard and they give us courage. And then let's read the last passage in the scripture of these last words that Yeshua gives to them. This last part of the story in John 21, beginning in verse 20 to the end of the chapter, Peter turning aside, sees the disciple following them. This was the disciple that Yeshua had loved who had also reclined at Yeshua's chest during the Seder meal the one who said to Yeshua, Master, who is the one to betray you? And seeing him, seeing this other disciple following him, Yeshua said, or Peter said to Yeshua, Lord, what about him? And Yeshua said to Peter, if I want him to remain until I come, what is it to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brothers and sisters that this disciple would not die. Yet Yeshua did not say to him that he would not die. But if I want him to, uh, to remain until I come, what is it to you? This is the disciple who is an eyewitness of these things and wrote these things down. And we know that his testimony is true. There are also many other things that Yeshua did. And if all of them were to be written one by one, I suppose not even the world would have room for all of the books being written. At the last part of this recommissioning that Yeshua gives to Peter, he sees this other disciple and he asks about this other disciple. And Yeshua's challenge to him, I don't know if Peter's motivation is like collaboration, like when I'm going through this hard moment, is someone else going to be with me? Or I don't know if his motivation is competition, like, Okay, because right bef- beforehand he had been boasting about how he would be more faithful to Yeshua to all the other disciples, right? I don't know if he's asking if he's going to be more faithful to Yeshua to this other person, or if he's wondering the other person will be with him. But either way, as part of this recommissioning, Yeshua's words to him are, focus on the calling I've given you, not to compare yourself to others. Yeshua doesn't just free him from guilt, shame, and fear, but he also frees him from comparison. And he also gives him the secret of how to be faithful to him, how to serve others when it's hard and how to die to yourself when it's hard. It says that Peter looked behind him and he saw the disciple whom Yeshua loved. And what's interesting about this other disciple is that we see later on that this is the disciple who wrote this book, right? But he never names himself in the book. He always refers to himself as the disciple whom Yeshua loved. And there's probably a lot of reasons he could have named himself, the disciple who who Yeshua loved. In this book, he is the one who is closest to Yeshua. He is the only one who stays with Yeshua to the very end. All the other disciples leave Yeshua, right? They run away. This is the one disciple who stays. After Yeshua rises from the dead, this is the first disciple to Reck to believe that Yeshua rose from the dead when he's running to the tomb when he hears the tomb is empty he's the first one to get there he's the most courageous disciple he stays to the end he's the fastest disciple he gets there first he's the first one to believe Yeshua rose from the dead he's the first one when they're in the boat and they get all the fish he's the first one to recognize that the person they're talking to is Yeshua he's like the first in every category but he never names himself Instead, he chooses to define himself as the disciple that Yeshua loved. And I think this was his secret. His secret to his courage. His secret to being faithful to Yeshua. His secret to intimacy with Yeshua and to following Yeshua was that his identity was in being the one whom Yeshua loved. And later on, John is going to write, He's going to say, we love God because he first loved us. The call to follow Yeshua is hard. Loving him is hard. Serving others is hard. Dying to ourself is hard. But the secret is to first know how much Yeshua loves us. This disciple, he never compares himself to others his identity is never a relation to how much he's done compared to others it's always that yeshua loved him and i think he calls himself the disciple whom yeshua loved also to show the rest of us as disciples that is the identity yeshua is calling us to and the secret to staying faithful to him and his commission on our lives when it gets difficult And the last part of these verses in this commission is just kind of interesting to me. Uh, It talks about, right, in these last few verses as it's wrapping up, it says that uh, Yeshua said to him, if I choose to have the disciple whom I love remain until the end, what is it to you, right? And then it says, the saying went out that he was going to live forever. And he says, Yeshua didn't say I was going to live till he returns. He says. If he lives till I returns, talks about this confusion. And then he talks about the fact that, that he was an eyewitness, that he saw these things happen and he wrote it down so you can trust it. And then he says, I didn't write everything down though. He says, there were so many stories of what Yeshua said and did. The book, the world could not contain how many books to be written. There were so many stories, but these were the ones he chose. These were the stories he chose to include, that the Spirit of God inspired him to include, that every story in the scripture matters, There's, but also every detail matters, right? It, it, he said, Yeshua didn't say, I was going to live till he returns, but if. The one difference between what the other people thought and what Yeshua said was one word. One word. And I love that how John ends this book is by saying every story in the scripture matters and every detail matters. And what I love about that is as we look at the scriptures, sometimes it's difficult, right? Just like Yeshua's words to Peter, sometimes it sounds really hard to hear and other times it's comforting. But John says, don't throw any of the scriptures out. Every story matters and every detail matters. And if you're going to follow Yeshua, you have to hear and receive everything that he says. Every story matters and every detail matters. And I love that, right? Because there are some things that are hard to hear and some things that are easy to hear. Looking at this week's Torah portion, uh, it has the via hafta, right? And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then it has how this love works out. And it covers so many things. It covers romantic relationships. It covers family relationships. It covers disability. It covers uh, it covers so many things. Imm- how you, immigrants, how you treat immigrants, how you treat employees. It covers so many things. It covers disability and accessibility within the community and ageism in the community and your relationship with your parents. There are so many things in this week's Torah portion. And as I read those things, like Yeshua's words, there are some things that are really comforting. I was like, this was ahead of the curve, right? It's got stuff about disability and uh, accessibility so that people with physical disabilities don't stumble. Head of the curve. It has stuff about caring for the poor, for the immigrants. You can think, wow, thousands of years ago, it was on the right side of history. There, There are things that you see in the scripture, how it has to do with employees and immigrants and justice and social justice and racial justice and reproductive justice, where it's like, wow, that's awesome. And then there's other aspects I read it and I cringe. And it's hard. And I don't get it. And I, 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 and just, it's the same for Yeshua's words to Peter as it is in the Torah portion. There are going to be aspects of what is calling on us that are really great and sound really great. And then there's going to be things that he says are, that are hard to understand, hard to know why it's right, and hard to live out. But what John sells to us is as Yeshua recommissioned Peter with hard words and comforting words, as Yeshua recommissions and commissions us to follow him, there are going to be some things that Yeshua says, some things in the scriptures that are hard, but he's calling us to embrace all of them. Because just like with Peter, it's only through the painful conversation can he liberate Peter from the guilt, the shame, and the fear. Only the healing can only happen by going through those painful words. And I I love that John ends this chapter. He ends his book. He ends this story with, we have to receive every word of Yeshua and every word of the scriptures in accepting his call. But we can do it because he first loved us, right? This story is about the master of the universe who serves us, who acts like a butler, the king of the universe who dies for us. There's no other gods that sacrifice for their people and forgive you when you fail them. Only the God of Israel and Yeshua as the Messiah who dies for us, who loved us first, that when he says things that are hard and when he sees things that are easy, we can trust him with all of it because we know who he is. John says in this final verses, right? I write this to you so that you can know who Yeshua is, know who he is, and so that you may have life. So we can know who Yeshua is and that we can be fully alive. That Yeshua's called to them as they were counting the Omer 2,000 years ago, He also has a call for each of us today as we count the Omer today in our lives today. That he is calling us to be fully alive. That he is giving a message to us that can liberate us from all guilt, shame, and fear. That part of that is healing and part of that is hard. But that we can follow him because we know who he is and how he loves us. The message that Yeshua gave to those disciples then is a message he gives to us today. And I'm grateful for that as we count the Omer today. And as we go into the rest of Shabbat, um, I'll invite you to pray that just as Peter received this call and recommissioning that in our lives, we would receive the call and the recommissioning that he has for us. God, I thank you that you first loved us that when we turned our backs on you, you came running after us, that when we failed you, you stayed by us and that because of Yeshua, we can receive forgiveness and be recommissioned for the call you have on us and to be fully alive. As we follow Yeshua, God, would you give us the grace and the strength to follow you when it's hard and to follow you to the end because you first loved us. In Yeshua's name, amen. Shabbat Shalom.
1: Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend.